Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. As always, we are recording this live and we'll have it available as a podcast shortly after its conclusion. We invite anyone listening to please send us feedback to our email, which is ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Ed. Mike in New Jersey. Jody. Where are you from, Jody? Wherever you are. (laughs) From the beautiful state of Illinois. Illinois. Actually, I I rescind that. I am not from Illinois. I live in Illinois. I am from Michigan. Sounds like a Big Ten rivalry brewing there. (laughs) I, I have to tell you my story one time of when I went to Lincoln's tomb, but. Off air. I hope that was a two-way visit. (laughs) Um, Mike, since you're our official New Jersey correspondent, (laughs) and I just heard that Sweeney conceded. You heard that? Uh, No, I I didn't hear that, but I'm still very amused by it. (laughs) I say about 15 minutes ago, I saw this story. You haven't heard it yet. Why are you? Uh, I'm sorry? What amuses you about it? That he lost. I think it's awesome. I mean... (laughs) But he didn't say he lost until now, so. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, got, at least I guess he didn't uh, want to pull a Trump, right? And continue. Because, well, the other him. day they said something about finding thousands of votes, so I wasn't sure he was yeah. going to give it. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's, it's amusing just to see somebody who is pretty powerful in the state of New Jersey to get upended by somebody who didn't spend any money, really. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's a person that I think after a while, they feel like they're entitled to just be there forever. Yeah. And, uh, oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hysterical. I, mean, I think amusing is horrifically understated. Anybody agree with me? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I testified uh, down in Trenton one time, and he was sitting right next to me. And I, I was testifying about, um, I think, project labor agreements. And the, the irony of it all is he, he's a representative for one of the unions, I think the iron workers. And so it was a blatant conflict of interest, in my opinion, with with him uh, pushing all these bills and he just got away with it forever. So good riddance and hopefully it's permanent. There was um, the guy in Virginia, I forget his name, who was the uh, second most powerful person in the House of Representatives got knocked off in the primary. Was it Cantor? Oh, yeah, Eric Cantor. Eric Cantor, yeah. So occasionally these things happen when uh, representatives spend more time uh, worrying about people other than their constituents, occasionally. Not very often, but once in a while. Well, I think the most famous case in my lifetime of it happening was the 94 elections when the sitting Speaker of the House lost his seat. Yep. I'm trying to remember the name. Maybe you guys could. Foley. Yep. Yeah. Hey, I think it's great. Anytime a powerful incumbent loses, the more powerful, the better. I just, mm-hmm. it's absolutely fantastic, fantastic news. So, mm-hmm. in my opinion, you know, it's funny. Um, I think I was chatting earlier on our EJS chat about that story um, about Trump letting this guy take over White House personnel the last year and populating the place with um, 
how should I, pleasant looking persons of an undescribed gender? Was I talking about it on the EJS chat or not? I'm not familiar with it. I don't think so. Okay, so I must have just been arguing with Laser about it. So there's a story out there, I think, from yesterday that he, some 20-something-year-old guy who started out as like one of his flunkies or something, I can't remember exactly, was put in charge of cleaning house, and he brought in a bunch of really, really attractive women to fill the roles. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember saw, seeing that article. So, you know, the gut reaction was... Oh boy, you know, typical Trump bringing a bunch of nice looking girls, et cetera. And my immediate after reaction was anything he does to clean house is great. And I think it was Buckley who said any hundred people in the Boston phone book is better than all the careerists. <laughs> so I'm thinking no matter who he brought in, it's better than the deep staters. So I don't know if anybody wants to comment on that. Well, if he... If, if this happened under um, a Democrat, wouldn't they be praised for giving precedent to women? As long as they didn't find them in a binder, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I was thinking sure. the same thought, Steve. I'm that sure. That it, as long as he cleans house, you could pick random people off the street and they'd be better than the deep staters. I mean, you know, because all of us complain, you know, why didn't he clean out the deep staters the whole time? And here it is finally a story. He tried to do some of that in the last year. And I don't care if he brought in cardboard cutouts or nobody. Yeah. I think this whole idea of the continuous deep state that never changes is the most dangerous part. So I thought it was an and interesting story from that angle. Kurt Schlichter said uh, that the for Trump's audience, uh, you know, for, for Trump's particular, uh, you know, fans, the idea that he nailed some Playboy Playmate is not going to make them shocked and horrified at such, uh, it'll be like, good on you, Trumper, you know? So I think the same thing happens about bringing in cheerleaders or gymnasts or whatever it was. Anybody's better than the clowns they had in there. Mm -hmm. So not that it made any difference in the end, because, again, personnel was Trump's Achilles heel. Yeah. And that kind of well, I wasn't going to talk about the Durham report first, but I think that plays so much into it. You know, supposedly there's a lot of activity and there's three indictments so far. And the stuff that's coming out is absolutely unbelievable. So I think the deep state story just keeps going on and on and on. And as bad as we thought it may have been, it may have been worse. Can you sure elaborate? Was worse. What's that, Jody? I was just going to ask him to elaborate on that. Well, I'm sure it's worse, Steve, but until he gets something done, I mean, how long is it going to take him to bring cases? I mean, how long has he been doing his investigation? 1912, I think he started. I, I mean... <laughs> You know, is he still alive? I'm, I'm glad to hear that he's still looking, but... It's been close to three years, probably not quite three years. But yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how long, yes. But for anybody who cares, this is really, really scary stuff. I mean, it seems to come out that so blatantly Clinton did what she did, which mm -hmm. again speaks to us as the public who votes how little they think of us and probably rightly so that they can pull this off, you know, right out in the clear mm -hmm. and nobody will know. And if we know, nobody will care. 
Well, because it depends on how the, how the story is sold to the public. The story is sold to the public not to worry about it. It's not a big deal or somehow it's, you know, manipulated in a positive or less negative view. And I think that's the that's such a I think the Democrats, the left, they know that they know that they can literally get away with murder because the media will cover for them. They have nothing to worry about, it seems. That's exactly what this shows. It's so blatant, so in your face and, and nobody cares. So. And it's the flip side of the coin of things like the Rittenhouse trial that's going on as we speak. I mean, we have a two tier justice system in this society. And if you're on the wrong side, you know, if you have the wrong political beliefs, you just are going to be hounded. And I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse should never have been charged. He shouldn't be tried. The case should be dismissed. The the prosecution is proving his case of self-defense for him without him even having to have testified. And I don't even, I mean, I don't know why he got on the stand because he was winning so, so easily. Um, but it's the same thing. I mean, he's clearly not only not guilty, he's clearly innocent. He clearly was acting in self-defense. I mean, we all saw, I mean, I saw the video when it happened, he was defending himself. Those guys, I mean, the, the, the communist guy, I forget his name, who admitted on the stand that he pointed the gun at him and, and moved at him before Rittenhouse shot at, shot at him. Uh, you know, that's clearly self-defense. Um, you know, it's, just, it's the flip side of the coin of, you know, we catch Hillary red-handed and, you know, her email, you know, her emails, her, right. you know, the Steele dossier. I mean, they don't prosecute the bad guys and they prosecute the good guys. I mean, that's, that's the way justice is in America now. And, you know, somebody, you know, Ted Cruz earlier this week said, you know, maybe it's time to think about secession. Uh, I know that's a big topic of discussion on this show. I'm not advocating secession necessarily, but um, until we've got people that are willing to to say that this is just not acceptable, this is not the way we're going to live as a as a country, it's going to continue because there's no resistance to it. Ed Ed P, I know last week you said you wanted to discuss three current cases that you feel are relevant to this. So, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so um, the Rittenhouse case was one, you know, shouldn't have been brought, as I'd said. The second one is the uh, Ahmed Arbery case outside of Atlanta, where uh, after Arbery was um, uh, caught casing a construction site, uh, uh, three guys, including former four cop, went uh, to try and uh, stop him, you know, under the citizen's arrest law um, that Georgia had at the time. And then um, they got into a verbal altercation. Arbery uh, came at, uh, I think, the son uh, who was holding a shotgun. And uh, I, I have not heard any evidence as to why the shotgun uh, went off. Obviously, if you have your finger on the trigger of a, of a, of a gun and somebody grabs the barrel and pulls it towards him, then it's likely to go off um, due to the fact that your finger's on the trigger and he's pulling it toward you. Um, or it could be that the person as Arbery charged and fired. I, I honestly don't know what actually happened, but it does seem like in either case that was self-defense as well. And the third trial is um, there were a bunch of uh, people who organized the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville that uh, ended in violence. The, 
the right part of Unite the Right uh, included everyone from people who are sincerely opposed to the removal of the Lee statue to a bunch of uh, neo-Nazis and everybody in between. And they are being sued by a number of uh, Jewish organizations under, I, I don't, I'm not an expert in this part of the law, but um, I don't know how you can have a civil suit for this, but a conspiracy to commit racially motivated violence. They're obviously idiots. Um, well, most of them are idiots, but they're, uh, they're certainly not guilty of this crime. There was an investigation as to what happened. And basically what ended up happening is the, the city mayor and the police chief basically uh, forced the Antifa, the communists into the, the right-wing guys. And, and basically instead of separating them, they sort of forced them together in a way to cause the violence and thus um, be able to declare an unlawful assembly and so prevent the protest rally and speakers from happening. So it was basically a, uh, it was a conspiracy by the government in Charlottesville to sort of provoke a heckler's veto because they lost in federal court. They wanted to prevent uh, the guy who formed it, who, who does not, the, Jason Kessler is the sort of guy who was in charge of it. He, he, he is not a neo-Nazi. He, he's a little bit naive, obviously, but, um, but uh, he sued in federal court and won when they tried to deny him a permit for this. So uh, they, the Charlottesville government decided that they were going to not let the protest take place, place and not let the speaker speak. So they set up this violence. And uh, these Jewish groups are now suing the people who organized it, including Kessler and a bunch of others. And uh, it's a very interesting trial. It's not obviously being covered by the mainstream media. It isn't even being covered by the, what might be called the dissident right media because of the sort of, you know, distasteful nature of the defendants and, and more than distasteful uh, nature of the defendants. Um, but it is being covered uh, on Telegram, and it and it it's very very interesting. I think it's a very interesting case. Um, again, the defendants have the right to say their odious views. Some of them had odious views, and the you know the ones who simply wanted to protect the Lee statue have the right to say their views, and the government interfered. And these groups coming into try to sue them that none of them have any money, right? They're all basically broke. One of the guys, uh, Cantwell, is in jail for getting into a fight with an Antifa type. And of course the Antifa type walked and he gets thrown into jail because it's, again, it's a dual system of justice. But uh, Cantwell is re representing himself. And it's very interesting because he spent the last couple of years, I guess 17, eight, so three years he's been in jail or close to it. Um, reading about the law and learning about things and he's representing himself pro se and he's really doing a good job again from the test from the, what I see on the on the telegram channel of uh, ripping into the prosecute, prosecution witnesses in ways that normal lawyers would not um, and so it's it's semi entertaining it's not on television there are 500 phone lines that you can use to dial into the trial. Of course, I have too much to do to do that. So I just read, read the highlights on Telegram. Um, but it's, it's a very interesting case. And I think uh, between that and the Arbery case, 
uh, you know, that case is about freedom of speech, even if it's odious speech. And the Arbery case is about uh, self-defense. And the, you know, Kenosha case is about self-defense. And I think all three of the cases are, are very interesting and they could go either way. I mean, it doesn't matter whether Kyle Rittenhouse is obviously innocent from everything we've seen. Uh, juries can do whatever juries want to do, as we saw in the uh, Derek Chauvin trial. And uh, the Arbery trial is a little bit less clear cut than, uh, than the Kenosha kid, but it does seem to be preponderance of evidence being self-defense. And obviously the, uh, there was no conspiracy to commit racially motivated violence in, in Charlottesville. So, I, so. I, I caught a little bit of the, uh, the trial for written hour. And it was really interesting because the one, the one guy he shot was on the stand, right? There were three people he shot, two of them were killed. And this guy was shot in the arm and he's basically admitting that he was pointing his gun at him. And now I'm saying to myself, is this guy in trouble at all? <laughs> I mean, he's basically admitting he was there, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, whatever he was. He's got his, uh, he's carrying a weapon. And he's pointing it at somebody. Has he been charged? It was an it was an unlicensed weapon too. Yeah, he, he was illegally carrying it. That's, yeah, that's generally funny. speaking, though, that it, um, it was because it was because I think uh, he was charged with a felony, and so his license became invalid. Um, they're all criminals that he shot. Uh, the first guy, uh, Rosenbaum, was a mental patient, a child molester. The second guy, Huber, was a burglar. I know. Anyway, they they're all they're all criminals. And I, I think that's the one thing about these Antifa BLM riots is they attract the the criminal element. Obviously, if you're going to uh, loot a shoe store or whatever, um, you're going to smash the window of an auto zone, then you're going to get all the criminal elements coming out and taking advantage of it. And I think that's kind of what happened with the, these three guys. Uh, um, Rosenbaum particularly had just been re released from a mental hospital. He, he was, uh, he was off his meds. He was not doing well. He was violent. He was, you know, he was crazy. And uh, he had threatened uh, a bunch of people that if he caught him alone, he would kill him. And then he was ended up, up through large circumstances that's not important. Uh, chasing uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and, and Kyle Rittenhouse shot him four times, I think. It was the fourth time that uh, that did the trick. I think Kyle uh, shot uh, eight or nine rounds and connected with six. Um, again, even though he broke down on the stand today, which I don't think was a good idea, but uh, it, it you know, showed amazing poise for a 17 year old and uh, the ability to um, keep control of his weapon and only fire at targets and not to fire uh, indiscriminately and to hit what he was shooting. Um, the standard for police is I think they hit one in seven, one in seven shots with that police fire hit the target. So, um, he, he, he did a really good job. I'm, you know, I'm really proud of him. And I, I don't think he should be ashamed of himself. I haven't heard about his testimony today. I did hear that he broke down on the stand. So I'll have to wait. There's a great uh, podcast uh, and 
uh, called uh, the law of self-defense, which gives you day-by-day accounting. And it's, um, it's basically mirrored on the site legalinsurrection.com. So if you go to Legal Insurrection, you can find out all the details of the case. And if you want to listen to it instead of read it, you can go to uh, the Law of Self-Defense podcast. So uh, I have to wait for today's podcast to come out to find out. So I did not, I didn't watch the part where he broke down, but I did watch quite a bit of him being examined by the prosecutor. I thought he did a really, I thought he did a really good job. He seemed very credible. I thought he came across as likable. One of the things that I noticed um, when I Google this, I don't find photos of the deceased, the two people who he's charged with murdering. Are they, what, what ethnicity are they? Are they white? Are they black? Are they, let's do we know? They're all three are white. I have photos on my computer. I could show you if you want. Um, I, I find it odd though, because I feel like, I feel like if they weren't white, the picture of the deceased would be first and foremost. Yeah, and probably. they kind of leave them off to have people assume this is a white against black issue. Am I just being paranoid? Well, it, was a, it was a BLM kind of protest. So I, I, yeah. I feel like they're leaving it for the readers to assume that he shot my, minority people and that it's because of his white, you know what I mean? I feel like it's feeding into, instead of correcting it with truth. Yeah. There, know, was a, um, there was a black man named Jacob Blake who um, came out a police officer with a knife, I believe, and was shot and killed. And the protests in Kenosha apart from being spawned from the whole um, Floyd-related protests last summer, um, was, was sort of uh, that, you know, it's sort of a follow-on. Here's another Black guy killed by the police, so we're going to go uh, burn the city down and loot it. And so, um, but the three, uh, the, the three people shot were, were more Antifa, right? The BLM's kind of mostly mostly black people antifa is mostly white people so it's antifa and blm and so they were the antifa contingent in uh, the protests and of course most of the people defending themselves to try and keep their businesses from being destroyed or white in kenosha so i had a question i saw something come through about um the defense calling for a mistrial how does that work and what are the chances that happens uh, well, the judge just, yeah, I did see this because this came across on Telegram. The judge yelled at the prosecution prosecution uh, for grave misconduct. And yeah. so the idea is that um, he may declare a mistrial because the, the prosecutor keeps trying to um, insert his own opinions and bring evidence into trial that has not been disclosed to the defense or in a timely way disclosed to the defense. So he's I, he's grasping it at straws, basically, because he obviously knows that he's screwed. So I think the, maybe is he doing well? I don't. I mean, I don't see a way out for him either. But the if, prosecutor is hoping to get a mistrial so that they get to retry the case. Yeah, and I, I think, think the judge is going to. Uh, the idea is the judge will rule a mistrial with prejudice, though. So that means they can't bring the case again. The, the with prejudice means you can't bring the case again. So, I mean, that's the, that's so the question. The prosecutor wanting to do, you, the prosecutor's trying to antagonize for the mistrial. Yeah. So if the defense 
knows this game, what is their strategy? It's to ask the judge to to dis, dismiss with prejudice, right? Because that's the thing. If you so it's again, it's an adversary system, right? So obviously, if the prosecutor can say something that will automatically cause a mistrial, you know, he just goes to the end. He knows he's losing. So he says, you know, so he says some racial slur at one of the jurors, you know, something like that. The, well, the judge declared you can't do that. Sorry, right. Yeah. You, you can't do that. You have to like it has to be fair. So that's why the well, judge can dismiss it with prejudice. Well, what he actually did in the judge, what, what I saw the judge yelled at him over was uh, the prosecutor apparently began his 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 cross-examination of of Kyle Rittenhouse by pointing out that he had that he had been silent since he was arrested which clearly violates the yeah fifth amendment. against self-incrimination under the fifth amendment and the judge yelled at him that this has clearly been the law of the land and you know that so why are you doing that and and it was almost like the judge the judge almost said what you were saying Ed and he said you know, I'm just going to hold back and, and not, you know, not accuse or not say anything more. But it was clear that the judge was ready to accuse him of trying to get a mistrial. Yeah. Okay, so what are the chances if that is in that judge's head? Do you think the chances are high that he would do the mistrial based with prejudice? If he kind of knows this was agitated for this was a part of this was a strategy. Do you think that inflates his um, willingness to do mistrial with prejudice? Again, judges are judges. Who knows? I do know that both in this trial and in the Charlottesville trial, the judges seem to be fair men. Uh, I don't know about the, the trial in Atlanta because I'm get, not getting as much information about that. I think they're off this week. But um, but yeah, I think they're they're fair people. And I think uh, yeah, judge... I got that vibe today watching the the Rittenhouse. Yeah, I watched. I felt this is just, like this is just my sorry, Jody. This is just my guess. My guess is the judge won't declare a mistrial unless it's something that he can't ignore and he will let it go to the jury and he will hope the jury returns a not guilty verdict. But if the jury comes back with a guilty verdict, he'll he'll set aside the verdict. That's what I think will happen. What does that mean? What do you mean? What does that mean? It means that means he says no, like does it overturn the verdict? Yes, he'll overturn he'll overturn the verdict. And the reason he'll do that is if he dis, if he dismisses it now, it could be appealed even if he dismisses it with prejudice, the his ruling that it should be with prejudice is subject to appeal. Isn't his overruling and, subject to appeal too even after the fact? Um it is, but if and but the the reason he the reason a judge is more likely to do that is if he gets overturned on appeal, they don't have to redo the trial. They already have a jury verdict. Yeah, you can't. Oh, you oh. cannot appeal a jury verdict of innocence. There's Correct. nothing you can do. You can appeal a jury verdict of guilty. Oh. And you can appeal a directed verdict, which is uh, what Correct. we, uh, you, what everybody on the who's following the case, like uh, you know, um, Recchietta Law and, and Barnes, you know, Recchietta and Barnes, they have this podcast. They were like, oh, it's got to be a directed verdict now because the state has not made, has not entered into any evidence to, um, that said, I mean, they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Kyle did not act in self-defense. They didn't produce any evidence 
that he did not act in self-defense, not okay, just so evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. They had no evidence. So that's why Recchietta was saying. That's not what I read in NPR. And they're saying they says they did. They did have a shred of reasonable doubt. I don't recall what they're. Remember, Kyle's said it, but it, you know, again, I'm sure it's different in every state. But from what I can tell from Andrew Bronco, who's covering this for um, for law of self-defense. When you assert a claim of self-defense, it's it's uh, in Wisconsin. It's not a positive defense that you have to prove to the jury that you that, in other words, it's not like you're assumed guilty and you have to prove yourself innocent by saying it's self-defense. It actually can, keeps the a burden of proof on the prosecution and they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it is not self-defense. So that's a um, that's a really high bar. And it, it's I don't think that's true in every other state. Wait, I, I'm sorry. I can you so are you saying the onus is on the defense prosecution? No, the, oh. in some states, I'm pretty sure the onus is on the uh, def, on the defense to prove that it was self-defense. But again, according to Andrew, I don't Bronte, think so, Ed. I think it's always the burden on the prosecution to exclude the defenses, I think. OK, you could you're the lawyer, so you could be right. Um, I. I just I've read so much on self-defense law. So in my let life. me ask you this, because from what I've from what I understand, their um, evidence or their argument for self-defense kind of boils down to he's the only one that shot anybody. So, you know, he was the only aggressor involved. And what was the other part? Um, but I, 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 I that doesn't even seem rational to me because, well, you know, they didn't have people aggressing at them to shoot them. So I just well, did that. Plus there's that, that one not. plus there's that one witness who admitted yes. they not only admitted it, but there yes. was a picture. There's yes. a picture of him of the of the victim yes. pointing a gun at yeah. Kyle. So and I the gun is odd. circled with the red circle and, and the and Kyle's lawyer says, Is that your gun? He says, Yes. Yeah. You know, did you you originally it was down and then you picked it up and you pointed it at him and, and yeah. he didn't shoot at you until you picked it up and pointed at him and lunged at him. And he says, yes, that's true. I did find, you know, the, the video and I, I'm not a gun person, so it's uncomfortable for me to watch him walking around with that big old gun. Like it, it is distressing to me. So I see why that can make other, I don't know. I get that part. Like I, I don't love it. Like, a weapon of war. Yes. A weapon of war. Well, I, An I, evil black rifle. No, I just, I, I'm really uncomfortable with it. And then I, 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 like, I don't know. Is it inviting? You know what? I don't know. I don't like it. But you know I, what? I, I, a couple of things, though. I mean, first of all, it is a war. And, you know, I was watching, I, I watched Tucker last night and he interviewed Jason Whitlock. And Jason Whitlock made the point that, where are the men? No, I, I, mean, I heard the, that. Yeah, I watched that. The whole that. reason that, you know, we, they left it for this 17-year-old boy yeah. to pick up a gun and go and defend these businesses. Yeah. Where are all the men in our society? And that, and that was a great point, I thought. I, I agree. I saw that. I, I agree. That was a very, very good point. So um, remember, just to review for the audience, uh, the first guy he shot was Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum was chasing him and had previously told him if he got him alone, he would kill him. And Rosenbaum was crazy. The second guy he shot at was trying to kick him. He missed. That was one of his misses. The third guy was pound, had pounded him twice on the head with a heavy skateboard. 
to remove his head. <laughs> to, yeah, basically. And he shot him. And the third guy, and this is really very clear. It's very interesting because there were so many cameras, I mean, you know, and video, but he approached him with a gun in his right hand with his arms up. And there's a great photograph of Kyle on the ground with his rifle lowered. Um, Grosskreutz, the, the guy with his hands up with a pistol in his hand and Huber clutching his chest having just been killed. And then there's a picture immediately after that with Grosskreutz holding the gun and pointing it closer to Kyle, pointing the gun at Kyle. And it actually caught the moment where the bullet from <laughs> Kyle's rifle exploded in his, like there's this spray yes. of blood. I wish this was a video podcast. I'd show the pictures because they're great. Uh, they're very interesting. It's the, you know, it, it's funny to have so many different videos from so many different perspectives and still photography of, of this kind of thing. Cause you don't usually get that. And it, it's, it's very interesting, but Kyle's gun was down when his hands were up. It was only when he pointed the gun at him that uh, Kyle shot him, which shows right. tremendous presence of mind on Kyle's part. Just tremendous yeah. presence of mind. And the defense and, and his defense, the defense lawyer put those pictures into evidence. I saw that testimony. That was, and, and that's where he got, he got, I missed uh, that part. he got the, the, the third guy to admit Kyle didn't even point his gun at you until you pointed a gun at him. Right. And he said, yes. Yeah. So it was, uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's really, it's really um, a very interesting trial. You know, it, it's, it's not a trial where, he said, she said, or, or, you know, does the glove fit, you know, or any of these other sensational trials, a trial with, you know, there's drone footage, there's, uh, there's uh, video footage, there's still photography footage, because um, there's all of these journalists trying to uh, take uh, journalists and random people with um, cameras. I know uh, Grosskreutz, the guy who was actually shot in the arm, he was disarmed by Kyle. Um, he was wearing a, um, what do they call it, a GoPro during this whole thing. So the, you get first person video from, from that GoPro that, that I've seen, which is, you know, it's weird. You know, it's just weird. It's just not something we've seen before in a trial like this. I wonder why you think it's interesting though, Ed, because I mean, it, the trial itself to me is a total farce and, it's an, and it's, it exposes how unjust our criminal justice system has become. You know, we've had to listen for a year and a half about how unjust the criminal justice system is to black people like George Floyd. It, it's exactly the opposite. It's being it's unjust to to people like Kyle Rittenhouse who are or, or the January 6th protesters that we discussed last week. So it, but Ed, I maybe what you just described sort of helps define what it's really about, because if if he gets off, if he's. If, if, if he's found not guilty, I feel like the left is going, and, and maybe that's what they're agitating for. Maybe that's why he was charged because, you know, he's going to get off and then they're going to incite rage and anger over the jury finding. And there will be more of that unsettlement. There's going to be more yeah. of everything that created this problem to begin with. And maybe that's what they're agitating for. I don't know why right. other than, well, I mean, you know, I mean, Philosophically, we can look at England and Australia as the um, as sort of you know where 
the left wants to go, and that is to remove self-defense as a right. I mean, they don't, they, they, they don't just want to ban guns, although they do. Um, they want to remove self-defense as a right. So, you know, in England, there are a number of famous cases where the, uh, the, the burglar comes in and he's injured um, by the homeowner or, uh, you know, some aspect of the homeowner security system. And the homeowner goes to jail and the burglars uh, let free and the burglar then sues the homeowner in, in court for, for, you know, civil suit for damages and they get it. So, I mean, th th that's what they want. They want the criminals protected and they want the right of self-defense gone. And guns except are for very- themselves, Except for the elites. Yeah, they, well, they, yeah. they get their army. Well, that kind of goes back. That kind of goes back to the Ahmed Arbery case, right? This idea of, of should there be citizens' arrest? And so, I mean, you got uh, again. The law is very complicated, so I'm not. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in the law. But when you think about it, um, if you grab a bunch of um, of clothes from Macy's and you start running out the door, and some big burly security guy grabs you and says, "Hey, wait, you know, you got to pay for that." You know, why is him grabbing you not assault and battery, right? Well, because he's making a citizen's arrest, you know? And so um, he's going to hold you there, physically hold you, you know, invade your person, hold you there until the police come and arrest you. Well, that, that's essentially what a citizen's arrest is. Whether the guy's, you know, has a badge that says security on it or not, I mean, that's what a citizen's arrest is. And the if you remove the idea of assistance arrest, you go from a sort of a two-tiered society where we have police and everybody else to a three-tiered society where we have police and then we have sort of private police that have to go through, you know, all sorts of training and regulations and, and, and all of that and, and be essentially police and all but name and all but who pays them. And then the rest of us are helpless. And I think that's kind of what they want because they want to be the ones who have the private security, you know, the, the oligarchy wants to have the private security and they, they also have the, um, they also have the police. And of course they also have their paramilitary gangs, which is what Antifa and BLM are. So they have all the force and the rest of us have, you know, we can't arrest people. We can't defend ourselves. We don't have any mechanism to defend ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. So all I can say is that I think that's the, the basic idea. And on your comment about the evil black rifle, uh, Jody, I invite you to come to Virginia anytime, uh, and I will take you to the range, and we will get you. Uh, we we will we will hook you up with a firearm appropriate to your stature. I have little ones. I have big ones. I have evil black ones. I have. And uh, I have we will... a feeling I would I would miss a, a, a large brick wall. I'm terrible, but oh no, I, women I, tend I, to be women tend to be better shots than men. Believe it or not. Really? And, yeah. Well, I'm not anti-gun. I just I video of it i feel like it doesn't it, it's bad optics for him i it just i didn't like it i didn't like the i don't i don't know it's so one last thing on kyle uh somebody just tweeted just just now uh, or just recently said uh the judge's phone went off in the kyle rittenhouse judge schroeder's phone ran off uh accidentally and the ringtone was uh, proud to be an American. And the, the, <laughs> the tw Twitter comment was, it is literally so over. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait a minute. Is that going to be any, I'm, I, the I left have, no have a field day so with funny. that. That's so funny. 
They're going to call a mistrial on that. Yeah. Well, that makes him racist. We know right there. Yeah. No wonder he was fair. <laughs> yeah, no wonder he was fair. Fairness. <laughs> but folks, I know this is a related issue, the James O'Keefe raid, which to me is deeply, deeply disturbing. So I want to hear everybody's opinion on that. I, I just, there seems to be no limit to how vulnerable we are to right. government. I don't want to use it's the, the word. Same, well, it's the same story, Steve. It's weaponizing of the of the institutions of force and of government against innocent people and and allowing all the criminals to, to go free. Yeah, Ed, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was gonna say exactly that. They're weaponizing everything against us. Um, we see it with written hour, we see it with the January 6th uh, people. We saw it with the, the couple in St. Louis who broke out their gun to protect themselves. They ended up being prosecuted. McCloskey. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're they're out to get us in every way they can. And they're, they're going to use all those tools at their disposal when they're in power to come after us. Yeah, I mean, they, they say, um, you know, James O'Keefe and, and you know, and, and uh, what's the guy from WikiLeaks? Julian Assange. They aren't quote unquote journalists. And, you know, again, it, it depends on what you mean by journalist, right? If journalist means um, a person who has a relationship with the government such that when the government wants them to publish something, they publish it. And when the government wants them not to publish something, they don't publish it. And when the government is split with some parts of the government wanting them to publish it and one part, some parts not wanting to publish it, they get to choose based on what they think, um, you know, benefits their ideology. So it, it's sort of like they talk about a controlled opposition. The, 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 the what people who call journalists are controlled opposition, and even in the you know the big cases like the Pentagon Papers case, which is a different time. Um, O'Keefe doesn't do that. I mean, and Julian Assange doesn't do that either. I and mean, Julian Assange isn't even American, so I don't know how you can charge him with an American. Uh, he, he's not an American. He's never been in America. I, so there's no way that American law reaches to Julian Assange. But um, O'Keefe doesn't do that. He does, he, he's not part of the media government complex. So oh, he is not a journalist, according to the left. Well, of course, we know he is an investigative journalist. And I mean, listen, they're, they're going to continue to go after him hard, <laughs> uh, you know, given what he what he's he's doing. But I find it interesting because I uh, hear in New Jersey slightly on this topic with with the media. I mean, they, they've given subsidies to some of the media organizations through the state legislature. I was reading today that they're proposing a tax break for um, subscriptions. So they're, they're in bed together. <laughs> I mean, we, we know that the media is already part of the Democratic Party, really. But now they're like just trying to prop them up. It's hysterical, I, you know. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to go after O'Keefe and they're going to try to continue to get the, the press to, to be on their side. <laughs> but, you know, to, get them, to help them survive, even. What keeps playing in my mind is, you know, first they came for, and 
you know, we wait until it's us. We want to be the last one eaten by the alligator, so to speak. I don't know. What do you do? We are literally powerless sheep. Well, maybe comes back to secession discussion. Well, it's not about secession. It's just we're we're not powerless. We're we're unilaterally self, you know, engaging in unilateral disarmament. We're not willing to fight. And part of it is it's hard to fight when it's just one person, right? I mean, if it's one person against Antifa or one person against BLM or one person against the Justice Department, you're going to get destroyed. The only way we're going to, we can fight is by banding together and unifying and just putting our foot down and saying there's no, no more to this. Right, which you can be rated for even talking about. So it's, it's like I keep saying, January 6th message and these messages. And, you know, it didn't bother us when it was Roger Stone, maybe. And it didn't bother us maybe when it's some other people. It bothered the hell out of me when it's Roger Stone, because that, oh. that was obviously criminal on the part of the FBI. And it was obviously they tipped off CNN so that CNN would be there. So it's a coordination between them and the media. And, uh, you know, Stone had already... Uh, had was not a violent crime and Stone already had representation. So, I mean, generally speaking, what you would do is call Stone's lawyer if you wanted to arrest him and say, hey, I, you know, would you please bring your client in tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. to this address because we're going to book him with some crime. I mean, that's how normal police do things on, you know, uh, minor white collar crimes, especially famous people who they know have lawyers. Um, so no, I was appalled at that. I was appalled at the treatment. Of, I, I, I'm still appalled at the treatment of Julia Assange. Whatever you think of him, I, I don't care whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. It's just crazy what they've done to someone. You can't, some guy in Poland could do something that um, the United States government doesn't like. It doesn't matter. The US government law does not extend to Poland or to Sweden or to uh, you know, Kenya or to any of these other things. It, it has to deal with Americans and uh, on American soil. And Julian Assange is neither. And so the U.S. government has absolutely no jurisdiction over him. So well, I, and, I, I just, it, it's just appalling what they're doing. And you know, I, I, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I, the FBI is totally and completely corrupt from top to bottom. And the ATF obviously uh, is corrupt. And, you know, the, the whole federal law enforcement seems to be corrupt. Although, it, by the way, in our conference last time, you know, it was a federal marshal who came to the DC jail and um, tried to get in. They told him no. And that no was quickly turned into a yes after about 20 minutes. So we were we were kind of on the right track that uh, the federal marshals do have um, do have a lot of power when they wish to use it. Is that how Marjorie Taylor Greene got in? That's essentially how Marjorie Taylor Greene got into the DC jail. Yeah, I mean, just, we, we do have to, to talk about that. <laughs> just to address what you said, though, Stephen, you know, I I, I just want to say this. You know, we're recording this show. It's it's Wednesday, November 10th. Yesterday was November 9th, which is the anniversary of Kristallnacht. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of things were going on in Germany between 1933 and 1938. And really from about 1930 to 1938. 
And, you know, maybe you could turn your head away maybe, you know, you, you, you know, you weren't sure what was going to happen, but I think that, I think that any good person in Germany had to have known that things were going, were, were making a turn for the worse. And, you know, at some point, something bad, something really bad happens and, and it's too late. And, you know, I don't know if, if what's happening to the January 6th prisoners is, 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 a, is our crystal knock or, or something like that. Um, but what's going on right now is, is sort of like the prelude to a crystal knock. And we are, you know, I don't, we never know what the, you know, what the, where the cliff is, but we need to, we need action. I mean, this is not a time for talking. It's, you know, maybe we need to talk in order to act, but I mean, we're in some very dangerous times and, and the, the government and these private paramilitary forces are being weaponized against us in such a way that if we don't do something and do something soon, it's going to be too late. And, and we have to be willing to, to act and to take action against this menace that's, that's rolling through our society right now. Yes. When you talk about fighting, Ed, the first thing that comes to mind is I know somebody that um, just got the shot, somebody that had had COVID and has antibodies, and they were forced to do it by their corporation. And I think it just, it's a little too easy in a way as an individual to say, what am I supposed to do, right? I mean, the, the founders pledge their lives, their fortunes and their sacred honor, right? Are you going to pledge your life with other people to stand up and say, I'm not taking the damn shot. I mean, what does it take in a scenario like that to band together with other employees in the corporation and say, half of us are just going to walk out? You know? How's it working okay. out for Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> well, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he, I, we don't know what's going on in his head, but knowing that he went to Berkeley and just reading between the lines of things that he said, I, I get the impression that he's just a leftist who opposes the shot. And that's why he says, I'm not going on Fox. I'm not going on CNN. He's, he's trying to main, you know, he's trying to maintain his distance from conservative people and, and maintain his viability with, with the, the CNN types. Uh, but you know, he doesn't really interest me all that much. I mean, it, it's great that he's standing up. It's great that he's, that he's willing to, to take a stand on it, but, um, he can know, see to he, me, he, anyone who's going through the kind of canceling that he's being threatened with should be willing to say, you know what, I don't care if I'm on Fox news. I don't care if I'm, you know, if I'm associated with whoever, I mean, it's like Glenn, Glenn Greenwald going and, and befriending Tucker Carlson. I mean, those guys are politically opposite on many issues, but on free speech, you know, they both understand that they're both on the same side and they're willing to, to ally for it. Why Aaron Rodgers won't do that, that's, you know, that's on him, but, I, you know, I don't respect it. But he, he concealed the fact that he didn't get it, right? I mean, they, the NFL had a mandate. And yeah, because it's a no-win scenario, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like he concealed it because it's a no-win scenario. Yeah. Um, well, again, I mean, when I spoke to this person, and I know there's a lot of people going through it, we know exactly what's going on, and that you're basically being blackmailed, in essence. Right. It's well, either it's either, either you get the shot or you lose your job. I've, you, I've been you can't you can't lawyers. feed your you can't feed your family and you know. I've been working with some lawyers. We we just filed uh, 
a lawsuit in South Carolina yesterday. Um, you know, there are lots of lawsuits that I'm seeing just in the last week to 10 days. Um, I'm, I'm never willing to put my trust in the courts. But at the same time, I, I am a little bit heartened just by the, the sheer number of cases that I'm seeing. Um, there's clearly a lot of opposition to this vaccine mandate. Um, and if the courts bottle it up by, by saying no, but you know, by, by rejecting the claims, it's just going to make for a bigger explosion when the explosion comes. Because I mean, I, 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 I assume that the mandate's going to fail, but that's not important because of what Biden said the other day. It's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Um, uh, do the mandate anyway, private companies. Again, it's, it's yet another attempt to enforce social, pro, uh, social unconstitutional social policy through the use of private corporations. That is... That is the essence of almost everything we're fighting right now is the use of private corporations to impose unconstitutional speech restrictions, unconstitutional vaccine mandates, unconstitutional um, thought crimes, really, in a lot of sense, people are getting fired for, uh, for just the things they, you know, things they think, things they say, who they're, what, no lawyer will take, uh, you know, some of these, um, some of these uh, January 6th defendants, no lawyer will take their cases, right? Because it's so poisonous in DC. Well, it was, it's, it's worse than that based on, you know, the sound clips I heard of Marjorie Taylor Greene in there. I mean, basically it's a re-education camp. They're trying to get people to disavow Trump. I mean, this is just, it's, it's freaking mind boggling. We are mind boggling. Yes, that's where we are. Isn't yeah. that collusion, um, government officials using private industry to do things they can't legally do, isn't that itself illegal? Is there legal recourse against that? Well, we're not forcing them to do it, we're just recommending. Yeah, I mean, it of course is, uh, it's uh, it's authoritarianism by another mean. It's sort of cor- corporate authoritarianism. It's amazing. I can say- All screaming against authoritarianism and we have it, you know, so blatantly it's very odd i can tell you that the 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 brief that i just wrote i I, one of the arguments i made is that the government can't deputize private citizens to commit unconstitutional acts on behalf of the government yeah that's 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 one of our main arguments but they need some sort of smoking gun that that's exactly what they're doing or do we need to have have the smoking gun saying you know do this the case i'm working on is is a contractor case where Executive Order 14042 is is requiring the contractors to force vaccination on their on their uh, workers. So that the executive order is the is the smoking gun. I mean, it's the employer doesn't deny that that's the reason why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. But even like people who's not a government contractor like Ford or maybe Ford is, but some random. um, Some you know, some random company that's not a government contractor is, is still doing it uh, because they, um, they, they want to do it and because Joe Biden has urged them to do it. Uh, it, it is a weird thing. You know, there, there is no question in fascist Italy who was in charge, right? That's the whole point of fascism. Mussolini was in charge. If Mussolini told a corporation what to do, that's what they would do. I don't think that's the way it is in the United States. 
In a lot of ways, I think it's the opposite. I think the corporations tell the government what the government should tell them to do. Yeah. You know, Facebook is begging for regulation to, so that they could uh, have a shield to hide behind in canceling all of these Republicans. You know, and the, the reason they're not getting it um, is because we haven't quite marinated in the concept of hate speech enough for old style liberals like Ruth Bader Ginsburg or so- Sonia Sotomayor to um, to accept that hate speech is not free speech, right? And, and but another generation and yeah, that'll be the end, you know. And then not only if you say something that's quote unquote hate speech, you could, there are hate facts, you know. The FBI published the hate fact that fifty six percent of all violent crimes last year were committed by uh, black men. That's a hate fact. I got banned from Medium the site medium for making a comment, just that, that, that comment, that was a hate fact, which targeted a vulnerable population. And on my account was banned. Now I have 82 million email addresses. So I could get, get another account. That's not the point is that they banned me for citing FBI statistics. So not only can you, not only like um, you can get banned for like slurs, like, you know, uh, here, I'll do a slur. Here, here's a slur. Um, I just heard this joke and I thought it was funny and I thought I'd tell it to Steve. Steve, do you know what uh, distinguishes Jewish Alzheimer's disease? From? From Gentile Alzheimer's disease. No. Well, the Jews forget everything but their grudges. <laughs> See, I get banned for that, right? I get totally banned for that. Yeah. Ethnic joke. <laughs> you know, anyway, jokes about anything. Yeah. No, I, I badly. Yeah. You get that's the sort of thing that you can't, uh, you know, you eventually get banned uh, for doing well, it. It's telling ethnic jokes. To be clear, it depends on what, who you and what you're joking about. I mean, you can hold up a burning head of Donald Trump, and that's neither violent nor it's it's totally appropriate. But then those rules only apply when they don't want to hear it or. Yep. Good point. Not an across the board application. So as far as O'Keefe is concerned, um, I don't know what to do. Certainly if I were O'Keefe, I I wouldn't uh, keep my phone unlocked. Um, You know, gross, Kyle's phone, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse's phone was uh, at that time a uh, fully up-to-date iPhone and they couldn't get in. They could not get into it. And so he he let them, he gave them the password with the proviso that all the information they get from the phone they provide to the defense and the government agreed to that. So it, it's, uh, again, if you have a phone and you're, you're involved in a protest, you know, you got to turn off uh, face ID and you have to have a complicated password and sometimes you have to like you know click the button. Little- iPhone click the button five times so that it, it basically resets the, the security um, speaking before. of that little anecdote about Kyle did you see the part of the trial where uh, one of the um, police officers or FBI officers I'm not sure it was some law enforcement officer was on the stand and he testified he was the defense questioned him about uh, you had uh, uh, the, the guy who got shot in the arm. I forget his name. You, you Christ, Christ. Right. He, they had his phone and they had a warrant to search his phone, but he got an order from his superior not to search the phone. 
And the defense counsel said, have you ever gotten that order to search, to not search a phone that, where you had a warrant to search it? And the guy said, no, I've never gotten that order before. Did you see that? I heard about that. Was there ever an explanation why that order, why, why he was told? What explanation? To he, they didn't want to find out what was on his phone. I know, but well, here's they, a legal procedure answer question. Why they asked him not to was that they never have. Don't you have to bring that out? And say, why did you why did you tell him not to? Does nobody have to answer that? Here's a legal question there for you, Eduardo. Uh, can they call the district attorney to the stand as a defense witness? Ooh, good question. They the ask, to ask that exact why? question. Why did he why? not do that? Why did you tell him not to? Shouldn't they have to answer that? I'm not a criminal lawyer, but given that the prosecution has a, an obligation to provide exculpatory evidence, I would bet that that's something they could have done. I would bet, but I don't know for sure. We're all silent. Even? <laughs> yeah. What is there to say? You're the MC. Come on, let's go. <laughs> um, there's two big stories out of New Hampshire. I'm not sure which is bigger. One of them is Liberty Block. And oh, those guys. T-shirts removed from Teespring. Um, and I think that's the first time that has hit us so directly they just said sorry canceled canceled that's right and like i keep saying you don't have to be a top 10 or a top 100 site for them to come after you and then the other maybe not as important a story is that chris sununu just decided not to run for united states senate but to remain as dictator of new hampshire and Good. keep them those of us following new hampshire i find this a very very big story and I'm a little bit scared that he's checkmating the entire liberty movement in New Hampshire by doing this. Why do you think he's checkmating the liberty movement? Because there's tremendous opposition to Sununu after his 16 months of millions of executive orders shutting down the state against everybody's will, having people arrested willy-nilly, et cetera. I mean, he's done some pretty wild things on video. And what he's now going to force is all of these so-called liberty people are all going to be twisted, have their arms and other body parts twisted into publicly supporting him in primaries for governor. And I think it's going to destroy the liberty movement. Well, he was just reelected, though, right? He runs every two years. It's every two years. I mean, to me, I think it's almost the opposite. I, I think it's heartening. I think, you know, I'm not as up on New Hampshire politics as you, but my take on it is, he surveyed the field and he realized that the Liberty people were going to give him a really hard time and might not support him, whether in the primary. I mean, he probably thought he could win the primary, but I think he was concerned that he wouldn't win the general election and that, that would weaken him. And so it, I think that it's it shows a perception of weakness on his side, not a perception of strength. And, you know, I think it, it you know, maybe I'm just being overly optimistic and, you know, we need Alu to come on here and remind me to be pessimistic, but... You know, I think that it's it's a sign that maybe the liberty movement can nominate a more libertarian slash conservative minded senator. And maybe he's is, is right for a primary challenge. That's how I take well, it. Well, what's happening is because this came out of nowhere and it's hitting national news and it's shocking pretty much everybody. 
Some people wonder what it has to do with his meeting with Miriam Adelson last week, I believe in Nevada, but he's already got people who were vocally against him saying we're not going to come out against him. And knowing the little bit about inside politics that I do from when Alu ran, the pressure is going to be unbelievable. And I have a feeling he's going to squash 90% of those who were against him the last year and force them all to be vocally for him. And I think it's going to get really ugly. But look, one of two things is going to happen next year. Either, Either our side is going to win a massive victory or the other side is going to engage in a massive steal. Either way, people like Sununu are going to be in trouble after that. There's not going to be any place for him to hide. Either the Democrats are going to take over this country and and in, and, and really start accelerating their move towards dictatorship even more, or we're going to take start taking our country back. And people like Sununu, who've, who've presided over these kind of dictatorial controls for 16, 18, 20 months, are going to get left behind in the dust. I, I, I don't think so. I think he's going to, you know, I said years and years ago, elections are won way, way, way before the primaries. And by the time most people wake up, it's a done deal. And if he wins by crushing the opposition, then he comes back with a very strong self-acclaimed mandate to do anything he wants to do, much like Gavin Newsom in California. And I don't see any way around that. I don't see any way it's going to be incredibly difficult to beat him in a primary. Well, maybe he's going to win and maybe he's going to win in 22. But like I said, I think 22 is going to be a turning point one way or the other. Either we're going to start taking back our country or it's going to be permanently wrested away from us by by fraud. I mean, this this Biden and the Democrats are just way too unpopular to, to win an election next year. And I realize things can change in a year, but. If they're changing, they're changing for the worse. I mean, every single sign is that things are getting worse and and, and much worse. So I just don't see how, you know, he, he might he might well survive next year. But when he starts, when he goes to run again in 24, which is going to be the first election post 22, he's either going to be facing the, the win. He's going to be facing a major win. Either either the liberty movement is going to take take control and he's not a part of the liberty movement or. I mean, I guess he could be he could be throwing in with the Democrats the way Lynn Cheney is or, or Liz Cheney is. And, uh, you know, maybe that's maybe, he, you know, he's sort of be getting ready to be a Democrat. But I just don't think that he's going to be relying on the Republicans to get him elected in 24. Well, in, in 20, the um, uh, the gains made in the in the state house by not just Republicans, but liberty minded Republicans were. Uh, enormous, you know, if, if that can be built upon um, to have a, a, a larger Liberty Caucus in the state house, that would be amazing. Yeah, just what I see happening is he's going to crush the whole thing because what's happened in New Hampshire is of those really strong liberty minded people who were elected to office and became very high up in the in their House of Representatives up there, he's already squashed all of those. The Speaker of the House, the guy, the majority leader, these were all people who ran and were known to be extremely liberty minded, and they've been totally crushed already. They're already at the point where, well, he's better than anything else, and we got to support him no matter what he does. 
So that's what I mean by crushing the liberty movement. They're not gonna, they're not gonna buck him. So you're actually gonna lose a whopping percentage of the liberty movement who's gonna put their finger to the wind and say, we gotta go with him. I just, see, I think that the wins after 22 are gonna be that the liberty movement is gonna be radicalized one way or the other. If people aren't so compromised and demoralized already, at least on the state level, just knowing that they're going to be crushed, kind of like on the national level, we are by McConnell and McCarthy and these people. But it's much it's worse in a way in a small state like New Hampshire, where literally everybody knows everybody and you're watching your liberty minded friends get picked off. Well, I think this is one of the cases where you would then take the liberty uh, movement and have them openly vote for the Democrat and campaign for the Democrat. I mean, they could, you know, Mao Zedong or Che Guevara. Yeah, of course, the Democrats could nominate someone, but um, who, who's, you know, insane. And they generally do. But I, I, I tend to think that, uh, that this is one case where you don't say that Sununu is the, is the lesser of two evils. You go out and you campaign for the Democrat uh, governor as a way of removing Sununu from uh, New Hampshire politics. I hate to say that because I'm sure whoever the Democrat is is awful, but if the Republicans maintain the state house, then he can't do that much damage. Whereas Sununu can seriously do a lot of damage. I mean, really, really sadly, because that's the step no one, I mean, I won't say no one wants to take. I've argued with a lot of people not to take that step in the last election. But I guess there comes a time where you have to vote a Democrat in instead of McConnell and you got to vote a Democrat in instead of McCarthy. Yeah, that's a really tough call. I do um, on the on the Teespring thing, I, I, you know, I've got to tell you, if you if you or an organization you participate in hasn't been banned from somewhere for for crime think, um, then you're not. Yeah, you're not noticed. You're not. You're not there. Well, I mean, you're you're not doing the right thing, right? I mean, that's kind of why I, I you know, I I both like, I, you know, part of my mind really likes Ben Shapiro, and part of my mind really hates Ben Shapiro, right? Because Ben Shapiro has a a lot of great material, but he just doesn't. He knows where the lines are, and he never steps across them ever, and it just burns me up because I I know he is a smart guy. I know. He knows uh, that uh, you know that the vaccines are not as effective, and and that the uh, as people claim they are, and that the you know there's more um, reasonably uh, reasonable distance saying not to get them and whatnot. And even if he's fighting, but he won't say it. He won't. He won't say it. He won't talk about the cheating in the election. He won't talk about the uh, the vaccines. He won't talk about anything that's banned. And yep. Very, very sad that he just, you know, he likes his position like so many other people in that position. Not going to take anything up. I think that uh, the Liberty Block being banned from Teespring is a feather in our cap, just like my being banned from Medium. And I had a, I wanted to make a mask on Zazzle that says this mask does not stop uh, uh, viral infections. Um, And they they banned me from Zazzle. So I have that too. Um, and, and my rant about um, something was banned from YouTube, right? Didn't I hear that a couple of weeks ago? Um, so I think, 
you know, if, if, if we're being banned from big tech, we're doing the right thing. So let's keep doing it. But again, it's very scary because the circle gets, you know, smaller and smaller. I mean, to give credit to Bongino, who's out there still fighting cumulus very, very publicly and fighting a lot of these things publicly and coming up with alternate platforms, et cetera. He right. seems to yeah. be well, no. cost. I don't know. It, it's, good. Worth, it's worth pointing out on, on, on our show that one of the shirts said, stop banning things. So. Yeah, yeah, well, stop banning From the shirts that got banned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, it doesn't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these people are evil. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Why would some, why would Teespring well, you know, do something like that? You know, there's well, no reason for it because maybe. there's no reason for it. How would they even notice, you know? Well, maybe so, somebody's out there telling them that. That's oh, the thing. Is, did, did, you read, did you read the latest blog post that, that these guys have? You know, that's all yeah. it takes is. No, I think that's it. I think there's some organized organizations out there. I mean, we know some of them, but we, you know, there's obviously others and they look around for stuff like this. Now, I think that in the case of me being banned from Zazzle for the mass that says the mass network, I do think they have a human being go through it and, and uh, any design to make sure you're not violating copyright or saying something. And then he just thought, you know, I'm not going to do this or there's some policy of not contradicting the CDC or something. Um, but yeah, I think there are organizations out there. Uh, Media Matters is one of them, obviously. And uh, that just go through and have armies of trolls who look around for things that need to be banned. And then they, they tell the- Well, you know, I had a post on Facebook taken down, removed, that was Jody is watching Heaven is for Real, which is this, you know, it's a nice heartwarming movie, Greg Kinnear, based on a true story. And I'm like, what, what is the logic with that? Why is, why is that against community standards? And what are your community standards if that's against them? I'm, I'm not sure I want to know your community uh, standards. I'm, I'm convinced that well, there. some things get caught in the net that really probably aren't supposed to be caught in the net. <laughs> well, it's all done by AI. I mean, like I said, on you know, Zazzle, it's probably human. So when you go to Facebook, because, you know, I went to see, okay, it says that they look at things before they take them down and it goes through a process and they decide. So somebody decided to take it down. No, computer, com- computer did. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's all AI. automated. Yeah, I think that's, I, the, that's the thing with YouTube and whatnot. They're so big. Now, the one thing that they haven't done yet, which is why we're able to discuss the fact that the vaccines don't really work and the masks don't work and whatnot, is these podcast hosting sites. They have not gone in and censored podcasts. And I don't quite know why they haven't yet, like Libsyn or uh, even Apple, um, because they do have text, uh, speech to text, and then they can run the same AIs on it that YouTube runs. But for some reason, you, uh, podcasts are a bastion of free speech right now. And, you know, when I'm, I'm sure that will not last, of course. Right. But well, is it harder for the technology to catch the spoken word? No, no, it's easier because they do. They, that's what YouTube does. YouTube actually um, catches the spoken word. And that's half the battle in YouTube is, is seeing if you, you say the wrong things. That's why people use these obscure um, pseudonyms for all sorts of things. Ivory Hecker, the journalist, I like her. She's cute. Uh, she, she never uses the same word twice for vaccine. She's always trying to trick 
to, mm-hmm. to, to keep her on right. to keep her on YouTube, you know. I think and, I'm just starting to notice that strategy and other things. They they won't write the whole word. Right. And that's because AI is really stupid. Okay, so so you were to talk about COVID and it, you said something along the lines of yeah. Yeah, the coof right. was was big. Yeah. The Rona or I don't yeah, know, right. something. Something to avoid. <laughs> Or and don't even use the word. I it was it was something written by a physician speaking against it. Wouldn't didn't never wrote the entire word vaccine or vaccination. Yeah, those little things to make it not picked up. It's actually kind of genius. It's what humans do. You know? I'm sad. I mean, what's what happened in Soviet Union? I mean, and uh, I can't believe we're here though. That is just that is just so. They didn't even have to pay for the flight. Wait, what? We didn't even have to fly to this Soviet oh. Union. It came here. And it gets worse, right? Because we're doing this over Zoom. Zoom has the technology to read all of our, um, to listen to everything we speak and transcribe it and run it against the database of, of, uh, of things that aren't allowed. And so prevent, cancel our Zoom accounts, you know, or Microsoft, uh, you know, Teams or, or any of the other things. So, I mean, it it can get worse and it will get worse until- but We have to have our parallel avenues. Yeah, until, you know, I think the, you know, the vaccine and the the COVID totalitarianism, I think what, that Ed is fighting and that, you know, we're all standing to fight is is sort of the craziest thing I've ever seen because they are just saying, um, what the CDC and who says are the truth and anything anything against that is not the truth and we're banning all the not the truth. And they ban CDC is, truth. I, I, that's right. CDC truth. That's right. Yeah, it, so it's, it's crazy. It's all the truth as long as somebody on their side says something, even, even if CDC didn't say it, but if CDC said it, it's true on their part. Now, if you pull clips out of what the CDC actually says, no, that's not allowed. That's not allowed. So I have to bring up this other issue. Has anybody seen Gavin uh, Newsom yet? Yeah, I heard he was spotted at the Getty wedding. Yeah, which was 10, 9 or 10 days after he disappeared. So the whole, I was with my kids doing Halloween. Remember, that was his first uh, thing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, they didn't want me to go to the climate summit because I had to like be with my kids at Halloween. It's like, if my dad didn't wasn't there for Halloween, I'm like, I would have dealt, I would have dealt with it. I mean, come on. You didn't go out with our parents um, anyway. Has it been confirmed yet that he has this serious side uh, side effect from it? It has not like been that, confirmed, that, that's, but that's be, but because he denied it, pretty heavy fact rumor. checkers. The fact checkers say that it's false. Oh. You see, because he denied it. Right, he's the so. arbiter of truth, and there might yeah yeah. yeah. Must be. That was pretty easy. So I keep forgetting the name of the disease or the the, uh, the affliction. Billion Bear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it basically causes you to have spasms. Um, you may slur your speech or even have paralysis, correct? Well, yeah. Well, a friend of mine got palsy. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine got Guillain Barre syndrome from the um, Regeneron. It was very, very, very mild. And all it was was uh, some a neuropathy in his hands. Couldn't feel tingling, that sort of thing. Went away in three or four days. But that's essentially the immune system attacking the nerves. That's what Guillain-Barre is. And it's a very, very, very mild thing. And whenever you 
screw with the immune system, which both the Regeneron treatment, he had COVID, the Regeneron treatment had, or whether you do the vaccine, you can get that sort of anomalous response from your immune system. Right. And, but you can get it bad too. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some people actually with it. I've seen some people on TikTok that have had the issue. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's scary. And while we normally don't wish <laughs> anything on anybody, um, wow, if this is what's happened to him. Yeah, but schadenfreude is just so much. Schadenfreude, it's karma, so whatever you well, want to call it. My, I know you live in New York, Stephen. Uh, the the new governor of New York is worse than Cuomo. Uh, prove me wrong. No, I'm not even going to attempt it. And I didn't doubt that we're not going to get better. It'll be more interesting to see with the mayor if it's better or worse. Yeah. That will be interesting. But yeah. no, I had no hopes at all for the governor. Yeah, she's just, she's just awful. And I, and, and like I went, I went to Manhattan last weekend and the rules were wildly inconsistent. And made no sense. Oh, well, that's par for the course, ain't it? Yeah. All right, folks, I want to start wrapping up. So that means start talking about the things we didn't talk about. Well, the Newsom one was mine, so pass the baton. Okay. Um, I wanted to just ask a question. Maybe it's too late at this point, but um, in the Ashley Biden story, her diary, um, so I was reading in the stuff about how, you know, the, the media is selling, sort of selling the FBI to the public as if they're the nation's police, but they're not. And I kind of wanted to flesh that out a little bit with our legal minds of describing more clearly the role of the FBI and why it may or may not belong in this situation. Anyone? Well- the police power is reserved to the states. It's a state power. The FBI is supposed to be for interstate crimes, things like kidnapping across straight state lines. Um, it, they're not supposed to be involved in lo- purely local crimes. Um, so I, is that, does that answer your question? Or? Yeah, but, but I don't, I think people, was since this was the president's daughter, does that change the location and have it be more like, is it? It wasn't the president's daughter. Da- it wasn't the president's daughter. It was the former vice president's daughter because it was stolen before he became, he was elected president. Oh, okay. Over it's a not year clear ago. that it was stolen. There's, I mean, there's conflicting evidence on whether or it was left. Stolen. Yeah. Left in a, in a, a okay, place. So, yeah, so. Um, the fact is that the, uh, um, O'Keefe was given a copy. Apparently, you can find a copy of it on the internet. Yeah. Apparently, it says something about um, uh, sexual abuse. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Um, but uh, nobody knows it. that it's authentic. It's, and, it's embarrassing. That's all I could hear was it's embarrassing. It, it's uh, family the issues. thing is, you can't. Our ruling class is just the stupidest people. If they had done nothing, they could have just said, well, this isn't her diary. But no, they sent the FBI after it, which confirms that it's her diary. So now we can look it up on the internet and we can read the sexual abuse she uh, you know, suffer, suffered under the hands of her own dad. 
And I we did can, not see that part. I didn't know that was. And, and we can find out that he's a scumbag all because the FBI couldn't just let it go or somebody couldn't just let it go. And it's so stupid. It's so stupid. This is a stupid question then. If that's not really their jurisdiction, why is it happening? Because they're the <laughs> stormtroopers of the regime. Exactly. Biden says do it and they do it. Is that typical? I mean, is that historically typical? If a president says, go do this, the FBI goes and does that, even if it's not their jurisdiction, or is this new behavior? Yes, pretty much. I mean, yes, pretty much. The FBI has always been political. They were in, you know, they started more or less in prohibition. And um, it's not new under Biden that this is happening. No, it happened in, you know, in Trump against Trump. And um, it, it depends. The FBI and the CIA, they have their own agendas. And if they're given orders that are consonant with their agenda, they follow them vigorously, like arresting all the J6 people. If they're given orders contrary to their agenda, they don't do it at all. Or it gets, you know, so it, it, they have their own agenda, but it's the regime's agenda. It's the, it's the oligarchy's agenda. So, uh, you know, I, I think they get caught once in a while. And the FBI, again, it's not so much that they're evil, but they're so incompetent. They're so incompetently evil. That's what really annoys me. Well, what, what government I, is? I mean, look, yeah. at, I mean, I, I think it's not just the FBI. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Like that's I, sort of part and parcel with how our government works these days, incompetently evil. And with the uh, vaccine mandate, the military is becoming uh, uh, the equity agenda, you know, the die agenda, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, inclusion, equity, and the, and the vaccine mandate. They're really going after anybody who has a brain in the military as an independent thinker. You know what I mean? There's no way George Patton could ever get to be a general in the American military nowadays, or even Douglas MacArthur. It's not a chance. It's all the millies of the world. So... Ed M, anything to add? I think that what we're seeing this week is that the destruction, the economic destruction we're seeing is on purpose. We've been talking on this show about how, you know, to quote Ed Powell from a couple of shows back, you know, the wheels of the world economy have been coming off. Um, but I think that it's more than the wheels are coming off. It's that it's that the Biden administration is, is trying to yank them off and is putting tax in the road to try and, you know, make sure that the tires go flat. And, you know, we, we got an inflation number earlier today that was the highest in 30 years. And still half of what it really is. Yeah. And, you know, there were, you know, there were a couple of interviews this week with, uh, there were two members of the Biden cabinet. One was Jennifer Granholm, who's the uh, Secretary of Energy where she was, she was asked, what are you gonna do to help lower energy prices and produce more oil here? And she just does a Hillary Clinton cackle bellow laugh as if it's the stupidest question she's ever heard, but it's not a stupid question. It just, but her laugh reveals that this is all part of the plan to them. She, and, she laughed and basically said she has nothing. Huh? She right. laughed and she basically said, I don't have a plan. Right. <laughs> Like it's right. a joke question to have a plan. And, and, you know, maybe I'm a little jaded is not the right word, but, you know, so caught up in, in reading all these cases that are coming down on the on the vaccine mandate. It's obvious that this was not thought out at all, except for the purpose of 
we're just going to try and bulldoze people. Um, there's no, there's no even plausible argument for it. I mean, it doesn't mean a courts, the courts aren't going to roll over and play dead for the, for the executive branch like they often do. Um, but it's very clear to me that this is just the Biden administration trying to force a lot of people into unemployment and they don't care how many people wind up losing their jobs over this. Um, and the destruction is obviously, obviously intentional. And I think that's going to another level from the level of destruction that we've all been seeing for nine or 10 months now. Um, recognizing that it's actually intentional and that they're doing it on purpose, I think it takes it to a very, you know, to the next level. And, you know, I don't know, you know, we've all talked about what's going to be the point that's going to, that's going to be the breaking point for the American people. I, I just feel like we're close to it. Um, you know, I, if the courts don't throw out this vaccine mandate, I, I think that there are people that are going to start rioting. I mean, I know people that I've talked with who's got, who have clients that are, are at the end of their rope. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, we're facing a labor shortage right now, but at the same time, we're, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to put millions of people out of work just because they won't take medicine that they don't want. I mean, it's just, it's so preposterous on its face. And th there's no other explanation other than that our government is trying to hurt people. And I, there's no other explanation for what's going on. And I, and I think that that's, uh, to me, that's the story. That's one of the stories of the Their week. explanation is they're trying to protect the vaccinated. That's why well, they're that's, doing it. Or that's on its face ridiculous. I know. I'm just saying that's what their argument is. They're trying it's to not protect plausible. the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. It's not plausible to anybody who's got a thinking brain cell. I mean, Our, anyone with a thinking, with a, with a brain that works knows that this is that that's a lie. Forget about rationalization. It's just a flat out lie. And that everything that's being done is being done for the purpose of hurting people. And it's not about helping anybody. It's not about helping the vaccinated. It's not about helping essential workers. It's it's about hurting people. And that's just to me, it's becoming crystal clear. I mean, maybe I'm seeing things that other people don't see, but it's just obvious to me. And, and it's, to me, it's, it's taking it to another level. It's one thing to recognize that, uh, you know, that Biden is incompetent and that the, that their administration is incompetent and doing awful things. I think it's another thing to recognize that it's not incompetence. It's just naked evil. And, and I think that's what's going on. Um, so that's to me, the story, one of the big stories of the week. Well, the, the, in, in my final note is the dog that hasn't barked. And that is that all of the various vaccines have been uh, paused, stopped, um, or restricted to certain um, populations, except for the Pfizer one. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that Pfizer is the only vaccine, like the Moderna vaccine was stopped for a while, and now it's not given in Europe to people under 30. Of course, everybody does, nobody likes the Sputnik vaccine for various reasons. People aren't allowed into Europe if they had the Sputnik vaccine. Um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was paused and, and said, oh, it doesn't give a very uh, good efficacy. 
Um, there's all of these reports out that the only vaccine that hasn't gotten any um, negative press is the Pfizer vaccine. In fact, the Pfizer vaccine is the only one who has gotten official FDA approval, modulo some stuff we want to talk about. Why is that? It's essentially the same as the Moderna vaccine. Money. It manufactured. Yeah, it's like I forgot my I, I forgot my tinfoil hat, guys. I really I, I'm I'm almost ready to put the tinfoil hat on. It's the same as the Moderna vaccine. It uses the it's the same. Isn't the Moderna is, one three times as strong though? I think. What's that? I, I think that the Moderna one is is a more potent dose. The, the Moderna one has more, you know, mRNA in it. Let's put it that way. That's just yeah. So you can. You just give less of it if you want. The, it, the, MR, the Moderna one is actually a more effective for longer against the disease, again, according to the data I've heard. But for some reason, Pfizer never gets criticized. If you look at the VAERS data, which Alex Berenson has, um, Pfizer has just as many negative VAERS reports as Moderna, but yet it goes and nobody says anything about it. And I... Should I bring my tinfoil hat, guys? Next, I, I think I should. I think there's money involved in this, and I think that there's a lot of money involved in this, and I think everybody's getting some. So there's my tinfoil hat uh, crusade to end the day. Well, I am absolutely shocked that you would assert any possibility of anything being controlled by money and not for everybody's good. So with that, I will consult my physicians and make sure the shock doesn't hurt me physically. Um, I want to thank everyone for being here. We will be back next week, four o'clock on Wednesday, as always. Please share any feedback you may have. Once again, with our email, ejsshow at protonmail.com. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.